electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Kevin Hart, more than a comic, investing's no joke. Grand Cormino is a product that we built that's based off of a celebration of your journey, celebration of love, and hard work. So it's a true definition of myself. Tequila, burgers, entertainment, even underwear. He's got his heart in a lot of projects. I'm thinking of new products just to use the name heart again. What is this vegan thing? Heart House. Heart House. Heart House. And you got Heart to Heart, which is not the TV show. That's a talk show. Washington's problem solvers taking on the looming debt ceiling or trying to. New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer. We're literally staring at a fiscal cliff. We need to do everything we can to address our long-term fiscal health. Those stories plus Tesla's margin problem, the DeSantis battle with Disney, and Taylor Swift's business savvy. She's got us hooked. I might have to say I might be a Swifty. Is that okay? I'm a total Swifty. You are? I am. Loud and proud. It's Thursday, April 20th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And as you take a look at the equity futures... Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Tesla's first quarter 2023 Q&A webcast. My name is Martin Vieca, VP of Investor Relations, and I'm joined today by Elon Musk, Zachary Kirkhorn, and a number of other executives. But before we jump to, into Q&A, Elon has some opening remarks. Elon? Uh, thank you, Martin. So just a Q1 recap. Uh, Model Y became the best. Let's talk about Tesla because the shares, they are falling this after the company's earnings and revenue for the first quarter came in roughly in line with estimates. And Phil LeBeau joins us now with more. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Andrew. This is a margin story, plain and simple, because Tesla did not hit the benchmark that was uh, out there, put out there by analysts in terms of what they expected, both in terms of gross margins as well as all other uh, ways of measuring margin for the company, the company's profitability. Look at how much it's compressed in the last year. Total gross margins down more than 900 basis points. Adjusted EBITDA margins now under 19%. By the way, gross auto margins expected at 20.5%. They came in at 19% flat. Look, they have cut prices six times in the last year. They did it this week, again, on both the Model 3 and the Model Y. Look at the changing pricing from the beginning of the year till now for both of these. And I understand the most recent price cuts are not factored into the Q1 results. But Elon Musk said, look, they are in a race here to continue to sell vehicles at the expense of margins. Here's what he said on the conference call. We do believe we're like laying the groundwork here. Uh, and then it's better to ship uh, a large number of cars at a lower margin and subsequently uh, harvest that margin in the future as uh, we perfect autonomy. That's something we'll talk about in a little bit, guys. Now focusing on autonomous technology, autonomous vehicle technology to drive margins in the future. If you take a look at shares of Tesla, uh, now trading under $168 a share, well down from where it was uh, just a couple of weeks ago. You have to ask yourself, 
What are we expecting in terms of deliveries? They once again last night said they expect to produce at least 1.8 million vehicles. Their guidance for the year in deliveries uh, that they set back in January was to deliver 1.8 million vehicles. So they haven't changed that. But what has changed is what investors, what Wall Street is expecting in terms of gross auto margins for this company. Because for a long time, it was 20%. Now, it's clearly below 20%. And it raises the question, where's the bottom here? Is it 16%, 15%? That's the question now, uh, as they are clearly dealing with the impact of all of these price cuts. And And what is the sense when you talked to investors last night, Phil, in terms of what that bottom looks like right now? Is there anybody, I mean, we haven't talked to, you know, like a Ron Barron. I just wonder whether he thinks, uh, you know, somebody who's a, who's a bull on this thinks he, that where, where the bottom on those margins look. look. I have heard estimates all over the place, Andrew. And, the, and that's part of the problem. Now, they were asked about this on the conference call last night. What, what do you foresee in terms of margin? They didn't give, nobody said give us margin guidance, but they did say, what, what's the path going forward in terms of margin? And they declined. They simply said that, look, we know that margins are going to be compressed right now. But getting back to the point I made earlier about autonomous vehicle technology, they more than once came back to this idea that, hey, we can afford to allow our margins to be compressed right now in exchange for driving sales because down the road, we've got autonomous vehicle technology, full self-driving technology that we can leverage in order to drive up margins. If you buy that, then you buy into the idea that, A, they're going to have full self-driving technology, which they don't have, which Elon said, well, I think maybe we'll have it this year. But we've heard that before from them. And B, how many people are going to pay for this? That's the real question. Yeah, they've got about 400,000 essentially here in the U.S. right now. How many people down the road are going to pay for that? It doubled almost since January, but that, now it's back down, but still up, what, 61% from 100, but down, yep. I mean, strapped yourself in, down from 364, but it, it looked like it was rebounding yes. pretty good in the midst of all the Twitter stuff uh, from January. I'm just trying to figure out who the competition is. Is the competition other electric car makers? Because they're coming, but I don't know if that's it. The competition might be EV sales itself, because we still hear that people aren't ready they're, and they're too expensive and, they, you know, that, that most people aren't ready sure. for their next vehicle to be an EV. So he's got to cut prices to, to, you know, to try to fend off all the majors Joe, and the Mercedes. What, and What he said yesterday was that what, what Phil even pointed out yesterday was that these cuts are commensurate to the losses that you're seeing from the federal subsidies or some of the state ones. That, that too. He's got a lot of true, true. The battle's on a lot of fronts. Just so you guys know, on the conference call last night, they said our margins will be industry leading better than other automakers. They didn't say better than other electric vehicle companies, better than other automakers. In the past, they were primarily compared to other EV uh, companies. So, uh, look, Joe, to answer your question, it's coming from everywhere. But the the EV competition right now in China, that's driving the price cuts over there and ultimately here, too. What are the margins for automakers in general, if they're down to 11% now for Tesla? Well, it, I mean, the gross auto margin is what everybody focuses on. Look, no, I just for, mean for, for General automakers Motors in general. And Ford, oh, yeah. you're, you're, you're down in that 5 to 7% range in terms of, uh, of uh, margins, 5 to 7 most automakers. Maybe you have some of the European automakers, the luxury automakers, who are going to be a little bit higher. They're going to be up there in that 9 10 11% range, um, depending on quarter to quarter uh, where they're at right now. 
So no. Tesla does have industry-leading margins. Nobody's debating that. The question is, where's the bottom here? Hey, Phil, we're going to talk about ChatGPT in just a second, and, and Musk uh, has some comments about Microsoft and the like. But uh, one, you talked about autonomous vehicles, and obviously he has been talking and promising uh, for full yep. autonomy for a, quite a long time. Is there anything that you see in the immediate future that does ramp this? Meaning one of the things we've obviously seen with generative AI in the last, call it even six months to a year, has been this remarkable, like a hockey stick, right? It's, it's unbelievable. And so yeah. is there a moment, um, is this the moment, I guess is the question. Uh, when it comes we're not to at that moment now, Andrew. No, no, for we're autonomous. We're not at that moment right now. We're not. Yeah, no, I'm talking about with autonomous. We are not at that moment right now. And I am okay. telling you, everybody that I have talked with in this industry who has spent years on autonomous vehicle technology, everyone says the same thing, which is in a geofenced area or maybe on long stretches of the highway, which is why you see it mainly going into cargo first, autonomous works. There's no right. doubt about that. But for me to sit here and say, I want to go down to the 7-Eleven right now, take me down there, turn me around, bring me back. That's not, that's not happening. Philippo, appreciate it this morning. Thank you. You bet. In the political world, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy released his plan to raise the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion for about a year. And in exchange, the bill calls for spending cuts of more than $4.5 trillion by limiting discretionary spending over a period of years, obviously. Uh, recouping unspent pandemic funds, eliminating President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan, and cutting funds earmarked for the IRS. The speaker said now that Republicans have introduced the plan, Democrats have no more excuse to refuse to negotiate. We're going to talk to two members of the Problem Solvers Caucus. I know it sounds almost like, uh, like, like a Babylon Bee name for something, but they really believe it. They really, they're, they're serious when they say that. One of these days they may solve a problem. Uh, anyway, they release their own framework uh, to avoiding a U.S. default. It's always fun to have those guys on. They okay. sort of talk to each other, right? Instead of that. They, they, they kind of do. But they kind of do. They just, need more of them. They yeah, there's like six of them right. out of 800. It's more than that, but... <laughs> All right, now let's get to the latest chapter in the drama between Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Disney. The governor's handpicked oversight district board met yesterday and decided to move ahead with the resolution to try to void 11th hour agreements that were made by the previous board that ceded much of its power back to the company, Disney. The new board will consider that resolution on April 26. Speaking yesterday at an event in South Carolina, Governor DeSantis said, we'll make sure that we keep them in their pen one way or another. You know, we make sure that we'll keep them in their pen uh, one way or another. So don't worry about that. Separately, the governor's board spent part of yesterday's meeting discussing its problems with Disney, including the need for affordable housing. Just hours after the meeting ended, Disney announced that it would break ground next year on a planned affordable housing development just a few miles away from the Magic Kingdom. It's, the stock is interesting. It's, it's made the round trip right. from the Iger. Uh, the, Iger it, return? Yep. Yeah. It was 97, the day, November 21st, when, that, when he was reappointed, and it's, it's and it bidding, nine, yeah, bidding 97. Yeah. It's not good for, for the company or probably uh, DeSantis, but the high was, uh, was what, 190 or something. Um, in, you get in it less, back there. But it's streaming, well, difficulties. It's, streaming. it's ESPN. And it's, what about those assets they bought? From, from Fox? I mean, they've, they, they have a history of overpaying, but making it work, like Pixar and all those 
things that they did. Right. But um, that the, overpaying if you make it work. It's not overpaying if you make it work. Exactly. Make it, like, I guess. Not overpaying if you make it work. An update on the fallout now from the collapse of FTX on a podcast this week. This is fascinating. The attorney leading a class action lawsuit against the company and its celebrity ambassador said only one celebrity did her due diligence when considering an endorsement. That's Taylor Swift, the attorney, saying that uh, in the fall of 2021, while considering an endorsement deal, Swift asked, can you tell me that these are not unregistered securities? Wow. The SEC would later accuse FTX of marketing unregistered securities. Uh, Moskowitz, who's the lawyer uh, leading that lawsuit against celebrities who agreed to the deals with FTX, including Tom Brady, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, and Steph Curry. So, um, you know, Taylor Swift has proven That's herself smart. over and over again as being a smart. very savvy businesswoman. Surrounded by very smart people. Uh, surrounded by very smart uh, business people as well. But uh, she's, you know, remember with Apple and Spotify, and I mean, she's done it over and over again with her own recordings, the way she's done those, those concert series. It's pretty remarkable. This concert, so, this series that's going on give her right credit. now is, is... Give her a lot of credit. What's going on right now is like breaking all types of... You can't even... Shattering records, yeah. left After and right. broke Ticketmaster. It's just fun to look Man. at. Yeah, but it's fun to look at like StubHub and see what, I mean... <laughs> because it's legal scalping. Is, it, it's, is it fun to look at StubHub? No, no. If you want a ticket, I don't think it's fun. <laughs> no, exactly. If you're looking for a ticket, uh, it, it is not fun. But supposedly, uh, it's worth it. And... I've, uh, I've heard through the grapevine the one criticism, at three hours it's not long enough. That's what people keep saying. So, but those are Swifties. I, I might have to say I might be a Swiftie. Is that okay? I'm, I'm a total Swiftie. You are? I am, and I'm loud and proud. Let me ask you, if you went to the concert, yes. would you wear Swiftie apparel? What, what do you consider Swiftie apparel for men? <laughs> like a hoodie, which I might have. I would. Oh, that's I, okay. Totally. I decided if I'm going with my family, that right. it's okay. If I was there alone, like some old... It's okay if you're there alone? No, like, no, like I'd look creeper. like I was there you for look, some bad you reason. Look like you were a creeper. I'd look like a total creepster <laughs> if I was a, just walking around. Hey, girls, Can you continue that, please? Red? Yeah. It's one of my favorite songs. Can you songs. sing a little bit? It is one of my favorite songs. It is. Next, on Squawk Pod, two of the problem solvers tackling the debt ceiling negotiations in Washington, Democrat Congressman Josh Gottheimer. The idea, and I think we all agree on this, that we would literally put the full faith and credit of the United States at risk right now over the debt ceiling makes absolutely no sense. And Republican Brian Fitzpatrick. We always do the same thing for all these big issues. We do our work in the background. Ultimately, we're gonna need a two-party solution to this anyway, and we're hoping that our proposal will be helpful to leadership. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. 
Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. I'm producer Katie Kramer. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy released his plan to raise the debt ceiling by $1.5 trillion for one year and cap spending growth at 2022 levels. Speak out of order for one minute. The American people have elected a divided government. This plan could see a vote in the House next week. And in a speech on the floor of the House of Representatives yesterday, McCarthy said the ball is in the Democrats' court. They need to sit down, negotiate, and address this crisis. Now that we've introduced a clear plan for a responsible debt limit increase, they have no more excuse and refuse to negotiate. In response, the White House said yesterday it won't negotiate over a default. Here's Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre. This is something that both Republicans and Democrats came together in the last administration and did it three times. And when you have a speaker that is threatening, uh, threatening to default, no other uh, speaker has done that before. And President Biden himself dug his heels in. He proposed a huge cuts in imports and very important programs that millions of hardworking and middle-class Americans count on. All the while, he and the mega officials are separately pushing for more tax giveaways and overwhelming benefits to the wealthiest Americans. The Bipartisan House Problem Solvers Caucus published its own framework to avoid a default if the government's debt limit isn't increased when it's expected to be reached, which is possibly within a couple of months. This framework suggests an immediate suspension of the debt limit through this year and a raise into 2025 if deficit and budget controls are adopted. And that big if is where we start our next interview. Here's Becky Quick. Right now, we want to welcome Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick, Republican of Pennsylvania, and Congressman Josh Gottheimer, a Democrat of New Jersey. They co-chair the Bipartisan Problem Solvers Caucus. And and gentlemen, thank you both for being here today. Thanks Um, for having us. You're welcome. Uh, Congressman Fitzpatrick, let's start with you, because we just heard the plan of uh, Kevin McCarthy. Is this a plan that you support? And is there are there enough people in your caucus to actually take that plan and get approval in the House at this point? Yeah, thanks for having us. I think they eventually get there. Uh, might require some very minor tweaks, but um, the, the Speaker McCarthy deserves a ton of credit, um, as does uh, Garrett Graves, uh, Representative Graves, who uh, was sort of uh, pulling everyone together to, to hear everyone out. Um, you know, it, it's I, I, nobody's read it yet, by the way. At least I haven't. It's over 300 pages, so that's step one. Um, but I think they're moving in the right direction, and I think uh, eventually they're going to get the votes to get there. So why, why are you putting forth this proposal today if you think that proposal is going to get passed? That's a great question. So basically what we do, what our caucus does, is we offer two-party solutions, uh, but we, op- we operate in the, in the backdrop, in the background, just like we did with infrastructure. Uh, we always uh, let leadership uh, do their negotiations. We support those negotiations. We hope those negotiations are successful, just like was the case in, uh, in the case of infrastructure. Uh, but in the case of infrastructure, those uh, negotiations broke down. We had a solution at the ready. We had a methodical way to go through it. Phase one was defining infrastructure. Phase two was scoping it out, putting a price tag on it. Phase three uh, were the paid fors. And ultimately, it was our solution that ended up becoming law and getting signed into law by the president. So uh, we always do the same thing for all these big issues. We uh, do our work in the background. Um, ultimately, we're going to need a two-party solution to this anyway. We need to get 60 votes in the Senate. 
and we're hoping that our proposal, our work that we're doing in the background will be helpful to leadership. Congressman Gottheimer, a lot of the proposals that you all are putting forth sound pretty reasonable, sound like they are things that both sides might be able to agree to. But when you put out the idea of an external commission that's you know, delegated with coming up with some sort of solutions for these things, I think people probably get PTSD and think about what happened to Simpson Bowles when they put in so much work on that commission, tried to come up with great ideas, and then in the end it got scuttled. Listen, we're in a very different place than we were years ago. You know, we're, we're literally staring at a fiscal cliff. Um, we, we, we know our country with interest rates where they are, with the economy where it is. We, we need to do everything we can to address our long-term fiscal health. But the idea, and I think we all agree on this, that we would literally put the full faith and credit of the United States at risk <clears throat> right now, put people's 401ks at risk and our savings, our standing in the world vis-a-vis -vis China and, uh, and others uh, over the debt ceiling makes absolutely no sense. We've got to put that aside, but we also have to deal with our, our longer-term physical health issues. And, and we can do both. I mean, that's kind of the point. But it's going to take outside experts and ideas, you know, some people who are willing to actually make, uh, make some tough recommendations across the board. And I think we should consider those in an up, and down, up or down vote, which is exactly what we've proposed. But the bottom line is right now what's critical is that, and, and as Brian said, we need to really look to our leaderships first and say, hey, hopefully you sit down and work this out. What we've offered is a backup plan uh, in case things don't work out. But what we all agree on is we cannot uh, afford to default on the full faith of credit of the United States and, and our, put our reputation in the world and people's savings at risk. That is unacceptable. And if I could add to that, you know, we have two simultaneous crises and we have to address both, right? We, we have a, a fiscal cliff that we're coming up to. We cannot allow our nation to default under any circumstances. We also have a, a debt to GDP ratio that currently exceeds 100%. Uh, our debt to GDP in, in 2000 was uh, 38%. In 2010, it was about 68%. It's now well over 100%. That also is a crisis, and we have to address both. Uh, the fringes, uh, the extremes in both parties only want to focus on one. Uh, yeah. our, our caucus is focusing on both. Do you all get along in your caucus better with each other than you do with the extremes of your party, of each of your own individual parties? Well, our job is to get along with everybody to yeah, the best extent exactly. we can. I think it's fair to say that well, we are more ideologically aligned with each should other. Should I take that as a yes? <laughs> <laughs> I think you generally take that as a yes. And take it as a yes, I think but we, they won't we, say. We, gener we generally believe we, you know, got to put the country first and and figure the, these things out, and that's what you all want us to do. Which means, you know, it means we actually have to talk to each other and sit down and work things out. And we're not going to always agree on everything. We know that, but we try to figure out where we can get to an 80% solution and move forward. Well, we wish you luck, uh, and and hope that this is something that. Uh, you all pick up some traction with, too. By the way, how many people in the Problem Solvers Caucus? There is 64, 32 Democrats, 32 Republicans. We have a one-to-one -one ratio by design, um, and everything we do is bipartisan. And we, keep, we, keep, we keep growing, Becky. It's a good thing. Hopefully, eventually, it'll just be Congress. Hey, uh, Josh, Congressman, uh, will the, the salt, if you just wait it out, it's going away, right? You, do, you, do you see it being extended some way, the, the caps, or...? What do you mean if you wait it out? Sorry. When does it go away? You don't have to do anything. Do you? Doesn't it sunset? They're talking about salt. Oh, salt. Oh, yeah, two and a half. Oh, sorry, two and a half years. So you can wait it out. You're a patient guy. I'd rather get some back right now, and that's what we're working on. But at the end of the day, you know, we're not going to let the red state stick it to us. It's time for lower taxes. You know that. Josh, I live in New Jersey. A more affordability in Jersey, man. I live in New Jersey. No one is pulling for you more, believe me. 
uh, especially when I get mail that says how I got those great tax breaks a couple of years ago. It's like, really? Um, all right, gentlemen, uh, congressmen, solving problems. That's what they do for, for a living. Fix it. Yeah, fix it or forget it. Thanks. Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Kevin Hart. You can't just say my name and not put no energy behind it. Hart's tequila brand and tequila partner, his venture into venture capital, and how it all comes together. You have to be a tree, and all the branches have to connect somehow. So in my space of VC, all of the things that we're developing and starting, eventually you can use my portal of access through entertainment, through media, through posts, advertising, etc. The comic investor entrepreneur is right after this. Woo! Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here's Joe. Good morning and welcome back. Welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. No, we didn't do shots. Uh, yeah, I'm Joe, I'm Joe Kernan, and it's 420. The world of celebrity liquors has been a lucrative venture for those in Hollywood looking to branch out into the business world. George Clooney, obviously, Casamigos. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, Terramana tequila brands have both been successful ventures uh, for the actors. Now a new brand stepping into the ring from comedian Kevin Hart. He's actually on set with us. Joining us now on set, Kevin Hart, actor, investor, co-founder. Of the, we're leaving some, some stuff out. You can I go think. on. You can go yeah, on. go on and on and on. Uh, that list is long. And it's, it's Grand Coramino Tequila. And with him, James Morrissey, president and CEO of Global Brand Equities. Uh, welcome. How Thank you doing, you. man? Good morning. I like the you bottle. You clap or anything after you do it? We, we, we can do it. We can clap it up. Yeah, yeah right? The, we don't clap it up enough. You don't do we it. We don't do it. We don't clap yeah. up yeah. enough. Yeah, you, can't, you, got, you can't just say my name and not put no energy yeah. behind we it. Almost, right? We, we almost have a studio audience yeah, with, your, with your entourage. Audience. Yeah, <laughs> we could. Tell us, uh, so I love tequila. Okay. I have said that. I like it in a margarita. I like it just the way it is. Why this tequila? Great bottle. But uh, what's different? Is it unique? It's absolutely unique. I mean, we've we've gone into a lane that we've it's allowed us to dominate a lane of Cristalino tequila, a category that's relatively unknown in international markets. In Mexico, it's the fastest growing premium tequila segment. Um, and when you look under the hood of this business with Gran Cormino, you soon find out that the foundations are there to build a long-term generational brand within the industry. Um, we've partnered with Juan Domingo Beckman, right. the king of tequila, um, 11th generation tequila maker, largest agave grower globally. Um, and he's been able to help us create an incredible liquid at a new standard of quality and give us the production, distribution and sales muscle that we need to create a long-term business opportunity. I love it, James. So well said. <laughs> so well said, James. Supportive partner. <laughs> There's uh, premium tequila. It is uh, it's kind of crowded. Did, did, was there any discussion of, of anything else? Any other uh, well, entry? You're, you're, when you say kind of crowded, I mean, you're talking about the 
world of alcohol in general, right? So yep. when having a new product, you have to have a reason, you have to have a why. Right. Um, as a guy who's embraced and loved tequila for quite some time, I don't want to be behind something that I'm not going to drink. So getting in this business um, was something that I held off for a while because I was waiting for the right opportunity. Um, the right alignment. James came along. Uh, Juan Domingo Beckman, like he just mentioned, uh, presented himself um, in a place to not only be a partner, but to basically put me in a position to have a long-term goal. And that goal is generational, like, accomplishments, generational real wealth was something that we built from the ground up. That's what I want. I, I play the long game. I don't, I don't want the, the game of like, oh, well, let's get something quick and let's do it and get out. I would love to have something that's on shelves for years that my family can have and, and really stand on. Um, this here gives me that opportunity. Grand Cormino uh, is a product that we built that's based off of a celebration of your journey, celebration of love, and hard work. So um, it's a true definition of myself and I think your everyday individual. It's something that we all can grab and basically embrace. To, and to your point, the competitive landscape, there's over a thousand brands within the tequila space right now. Um, our first year last year, we have created a spot within the top 5%. You outpaced Casamigos for it's the months, right? It's the most successful premium, over $50 launch of a spirits product category-wide in, in the last right. decade. How long um, are you looking to, to get into this? How long? It took me about... I was like, our, our development with this was probably about four years. I was probably sitting in the wings, waiting for the right thing to do, probably for seven. Uh, and and you were looking at, at were the people that you had pitched yourself and the other people no, were pitching people you? No, people were just coming to me. People were coming to me. But it was all about throwing your face on a product and just having your face on a label that you had nothing to do with. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, Jennifer this, Lopez just took a big hit for launching a, an alcohol brand when she's supposedly sober. The issues her husband's been through. But this is something you drink no, and have been doing. Is, this is built from the ground up. I mean, the reason why it took so long, because I was really a part of the process. Um, the taste of this liquor is something that we were very adamant about and it being right. Um, and I was, I was a pain in the ass, for lack of a better word, right? If, if it didn't fit the world of my liking, it wasn't what we were going to use. And I can say the alignment of Juan and his team and James with allowing me to really be in that position was pretty dope. They said, you know what, if he feels that his belief and his palate is what we should be following, this is what we're going to do. And it took us a while to get there, but we got there. And the response, the response thus far incredible. has been unbelievable. And I think that's the key thing uh, when you're talking about your, your liquor is like the taste, the response that people are walking away with. If it tastes good, you're going to be in play. Um, that's what I'm most confident about. People are coming and they're staying because of how good the liquor is. And that means that the time was well worth the wait. I mean, you're all over the place. Heart, heartbeat Ventures, you got to, your chest must swell up with pride about yes. that. My chest swells up with pride with anything that I'm doing. But you got to, you're, you're all over the place. In, yes. In turn, it's an early stage VC firm in JP Morgan. Yes. That's a pretty good uh, partner. Yeah. Uh, another partner of mine. I love that I can use that word <laughs> confidently. Um, I've been in business with JP Morgan Chase for quite some time. 
um, being in a place of venture uh, and watching others have an amazing amount of success gave me the appetite for uh, creating and developing my own at Heartbeat Ventures. We decided to start our own VC. And in doing that, we were able to align ourselves with powerhouses like J.P. Morgan Chase to put us in a place of credibility to go out now and really embrace the world of new, right? Looking for the right ideas, uh, the correct uh, alignment with entrepreneurs of today and tomorrow. Um, and, you know, to really open a door that's been open for me. We need I more like time to talk about everything you do. Yeah, you got Peacock. You're, you're with Peacock. But tell us what are what some of the other assets. Because uh, not everybody knows. It's valued at 650 That's Heartbeat. You're right. talking about yeah, heartbeat. heartbeat. So you have Heartbeat Ventures. Yeah. You have Heartbeat, which is my uh, entertainment ecosystem. That's where we, right. we are a studio. We are a self-finance studio now. And we're in the world of developing um, our own IP and we're a business of scale. So creating uh, television, movies, right. scripted, unscripted. And is your et goal to keep that independent? Is your goal to do what Reese did, for example, with Blackstone? We're What's in the same ballpark. Uh, we're in the same ballpark as Blackstone, uh, the same ballpark as Spring Hill, um, Heartbeat, Westbrook. You know, there's a few that were able right. to really take something to the table and show that. How much we of your business now is that? Is meaning all of my business. No, but I mean the production side and, and the TV side all versus of some of the VC stuff. It all services one another. The thing is you have to be a tree and all the branches have to connect somehow. So in my space of VC, all of the things that we're developing and starting, eventually you can use my portal of access through entertainment, through media, through posts, uh, advertising, etc. That machine goes through television, radio, the whole world. So embracing something from the new and being a voice behind it is what I can right. do here. Um, making a complete circle was the goal. And I think all of the things that I've started. Okay. We got to talk that. about a brand that you're wearing right now. Okay. <laughs> because we've had this guy on the show. Okay. A lot of people know about it just because we've had him on a million times. Tom Patterson. Yes. You're good friend of mine. You're wearing Tommy John's yes, right now? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Some Tom underwear. Tom Patterson is an amazing And guy. you're wearing the underwear, amazing too. Comfort is king. I'm don't don't it say too. it like you were in the back <laughs> looking at my underwear. No, no. no I'm wearing it, too. Yeah, I'm not wearing it. I'm just, clean it up. The you didn't see him back there? You don't just say it like you know my draws. Like, you asked me. Sound in a very professional very manner. Question. Very professional yeah. manner about the, the way underwear. he presented yeah. it. Like, yeah. let's just clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't in the bathroom, like, whoa, man. Like, we were standing in our drawers. You asked me, and I, that's how you know. I just want to clean that I up. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of new products just to put. Just to use the name Heart again. What is this vegan thing? That's that's a that's different than Heart, Heart House. Hard House. Hard House. And you yes. got Heart to Heart, which is not the TV yes. show. That's a, that's a talk show. Hard House is my fast food, uh, plant-based fast food chain, uh, where we are basically giving people the option to come and try uh, a plant-based world, right? I think when you look at fast food, everything is the same. It's all in the same space. We just simply want to give people the option, the fast plant-based right. option. Come right. and eat your heart out with us. By the way, the underwear only came up because you're an investor. Right. Yes. Yes. He's an investor in the underwear. That's the should yeah, also saying, put clean that. It clean it up. Clean it up. Yeah, clean it up the way he said it. I just said, asking about your underwear. You say, eat, clean it up. You yeah. said eat your heart out. I mean, this this, this, this stuff is just coming natural to you now. It's well, like, the last name like heart, would you not use it? I would use it. Exactly. I'm, like, I said, like I said off camera, person, I, don't, I wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't be here if you weren't quick, lucky. And I have no way to come up with the ideas that you've come up with. You can do things like that. You can run off of that. But here's the good thing about all the things that you're missing. You know what I get to do? On a regular basis, I get to celebrate. And you know how I celebrate? 
I celebrate correctly and I do it with Grand Corvino. You see, I just did it. Eat your heart out, people. Eat your heart out. The difference maker is in all these ventures and the experience and the vertically integrated system that Kevin's built in his day to day, when he's involved as a co-founder and a partner in the business, he's a hands-on businessman. It's not the, the face, the celebrity, the IP. Yeah, that's, that's great, but the foundations of this and the day-to-day -day business work ethic, yeah. commitment, dedication, contribution is the, is the secret weapon. Oh, it's we got to go back. I, I, this is going to be all over the heartland. I, oh, my God. Oh, no, I'm you done. Did it you know what? You guys all have an amazing heart, okay? <laughs> and I'm going to say that. I feel that here. You feel it? You guys are getting cases. I'm giving you cases what? you deserve them. What? That's right. I got cases more. Heart. Heart. You're gonna I get, got more. You're going to get cases because I want you to celebrate your hard work correctly. Responsibly. Do it. Responsibly. Grand Cormino. <laughs> huh? Grand Cormino. All right. Right? What send, a day. Send some limes, too. Hard work tastes different. Send me some limes. Limes, too. That's awesome. Thank you. Limes? Thank what are you, you doing, sir? Limes! Limes! Or limes! Limes is gracious! And some limes. And some limes. Serious. Oh, my God. <laughs> Those days are long Thank you. gone. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And new research from the Pew Center says that 87% of Americans expect news they hear on podcasts to be accurate. That's good news for us. I hope you agree. Let us know your thoughts about Squawk Pod anytime. You can send us a tweet at Squawk CNBC or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And we'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs>